Hello and welcome to Of God and Man, the show that is the greatest waste of your time. <laughs> this is your host, Brom French. It is great to be back with you again. I have noticed, and maybe you have too, the change in our culture, the shift of our society. As we have become more humanistic, we have eliminated God first from our schools back in the 60s. And uh, then from the public forum today, we are seeing where Ten Commandments are being removed. And uh, But yet we've got idols to Satan in Michigan. We are seeing a change and a shift in our culture. However, an interesting note I have noticed, those of you that don't know I'm an evangelist, means I'm on the road quite a bit. And uh, some might not even know what an evangelist is. A pastor of a church stays at that church. He's at that place all the time. And uh, every now and then he might have somebody else come in and preach. I'm the somebody else that he might have come in to preach. I have noticed a shift that seems to be happening all over the place. While our culture is becoming more humanistic, more satanic, following the things of this world and the prince of the power of the air. There is a shift that is going on, not only with the apostolic movement, but I'm also seeing it among others. There is a hunger for things of God. There is a desire to get back to scripture, a desire to get back to prayer. As a matter of fact, what I'm finding now is people that haven't been praying for years are now showing up to the church to pray. Backsliders praying back through. Now, let me throw out there. I have seen and known some that, you know, we went to war in Iraq, and all of a sudden they ran to the altar and decided they need to get back in church simply because of Bible prophecy. I'm not talking about that. Because at the moment, we're several weeks after the Supreme Court decision on gay marriage. And yet, now we see the influx of people and of prayer. Backsliders returning. Prayer rooms filled. People coming to prayer rooms that hadn't previously been there. I believe there is a shifting and a changing. And we are on the verge of something phenomenal if we'll simply hold on. And when I say not just the apostolic movement, I've been preaching, and those of you that don't know, I'm an apostolic minister, but we have been seeing Baptists come into church (laughs) that, that have come hungry for a move of God, seeing all kinds of others. As a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, a few months ago, preached in a church in Sparta, Tennessee, and uh, there was a Baptist minister. I didn't know it, had never met him. The pastor hadn't even met him before. And he shows up, and there in the service, he weeps and he cries and he worships and his wife worships. After the service, he came and asked me to come preach at his church, which is just phenomenal. Preached at a Methodist church. Of course, they're no longer Methodist. They may not call themselves apostolic, but it's absolutely what they are. <laughs> they got kicked out of the organization that they were in because, well, they to be on the right side of that ship, uh, on the right side of that shift, there are two opposing views going on in the world. There's humanism and there are some that have, and there is a spirit of God. There are some that have tried to combine the two. 
You cannot combine the two and be successful. It will not happen. You cannot serve God and mammon. There have been some that have tried to, well, we like this component, but not that component. You cannot do it. You got to give Jesus your all. You got to give him your whole heart, your whole mind. Uh, you cannot, how can I put this and be kind? You cannot partake in homosexuality and still live for Jesus at the same time. You cannot partake in the things of this world. And when I say that, I'm really talking about sin and live for Jesus at the same time. And you can't embrace it. It's time the church be the church. From what I'm seeing, we are living in a day where the world is now looking. People in the world are now looking for a church that's willing to be the church. Hold on just a second. While I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. Hold on just a second. And we are back. And we are about to go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. We are in Genesis chapter 30. But real quick, just before we do, I want to bring up something that uh, I only skimmed yesterday. I want to bring it a little closer to home. Recognize that these two wives of Jacob have named their children based on their relationship with each other. In other words, I have kids, you don't. <laughs> um, and then now it's, yes, I do. God's looked my way. And there's that battle going on in the naming of their children. And they do not get along. You see this clearly. And then we get an interesting concept. Judah, remember, is the son of not Rachel, but the son of Leah through either her or Hammy, I think it was a Hammy, is the son of Leah nonetheless. However, something interesting happens when you turn into the New Testament. You find that the Bible says, speaking of Bethlehem, which was settled by the tribe of Judah, which is the son of Leah. The Bible says that Rachel, speaking of the tribe of Judah, the city of Bethlehem, Rachel weeps for her children because they are not. Interesting. Rachel weeps for her children. What do you mean? Talking about Bethlehem. Because that is where the king's going to come in, the king of the Romans, and is going to wipe the children out in search of trying to kill the Messiah. But it's Rachel that weeps for her children, not Leah. Why? Because by the end, they begin to look at their children as though they're all the same. Wouldn't that be great if we could do the same thing in our walk with God? Now let's get to it. Genesis chapter 30, verse number 25. The Bible says this, And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go unto mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go. For thou knowest my service, which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. This, for me, is a beautiful 
Phenomenal passage. Because here you have Jacob. Remember, if you're going back to when we first started going through the Bible in a quadrillion years, we have seen the difference between the promised child, the child born after promise, and child born after flesh. And we have seen the struggle between the two, whether we're talking about Cain and Abel or Jacob and Esau. Over and over again, we're seeing this battle, the struggle that's going on between the two natures, you and I, even today, we've got the spirit, we've got the flesh, and the battle that goes on in our hearts and in our minds, we can't help but recognize. And here in this point, we see the son of promise is struggling to separate and to get out from under his father-in-law, his father-in-law's house, his father-in-law's ways. He's wanting to separate and finally have his own home. Oh, heaven help us. I totally, I can get that. I can understand. He's wanting to be able to go out, be on his own, but his dad recognizes one thing. And he says, I can't just let you go. I would like to let you go. But I can't just let you go because I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. I have learned by experience that God has blessed me because of you. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if the world would look at those of us that are living for Jesus and would recognize, I am blessed because of them. Can I tell you, that's why America was blessed to begin with. Thank God for our Constitution. Thank God for the freedom of speech and for all that it entails. And thank heavens for all that God has done to bless the nation. But the greatest blessing that God did in America was Christianity. The greatest blessing God has done in the world is Christianity. And before that was Judaism. And in case you don't know, they are both intertwined. You can't have Christianity without Judaism. And Judaism is not complete without Christianity. And so, <laughs> now remember what God told Abraham. We're going to go way back a little bit into Genesis, the Lord told Abraham that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your family and I'm going to bless the world through you and through your family. Through you will all the people of the earth be blessed. Will all the families of the earth be blessed? Here we see Laban is recognizing the promise that God gave to Abraham. Can I make another statement? If the world is not being blessed through you, if the world is not being blessed through you, you might want to check your Christianity. You may want to check your relationship with God because the world should be blessed through you, through your sacrifice, through your love, as a matter of fact, not only should they be blessed through you, they should be able to recognize where the blessing is coming from. That is all a part of being a Christian. Can't help but notice, go back 
to what Jesus had said. They asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love him with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your might. But he said, the next, the second is like unto it. You can't separate the two. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, they've got to find a blessing through you because I'm going to use you to bless the world. And if you don't love them, I can't bless them. What an amazing thing. Oh, if we could only learn this, if we could only grasp what God is saying, I believe he'll use us to do phenomenal things if we can get beside ourselves. I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody else. If we can get beside ourselves. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you later.